Hey, it's Diana and Susanna, your favorite global health scientists, with a new episode of Global Caveat. In today's episode, we'll talk about how medical missions aren't always what you think, and how impact is more important than intent. And today's episode will also be the last episode of season one, so we made this one a little bit longer than usual. But don't worry, we'll be back in September with a new season of conversations spanning from stem cells to working in women's health, mental health, and so much more. There is a bonus episode, though, of some excellent outtakes that didn't make it into the regular episodes. However, this is only available to our Patreons. Speaking of Patreons, thank you so much to our current patrons. Because of you, we will be able to start transcribing our episodes in Season 2. Woohoo! Yay! Global Caveat is a listener-supported podcast, which means we appreciate any amount or form of support you can give us. We do have a Patreon page, if you haven't noticed on our website yeah and just for one three or five dollars a month you can become a patron we have cute names for you too if you donate one dollar a month you're an outbreak if you donate three dollars a month you're an epidemic and you can even suggest future guests for our show if you like what we do and you love our guests please leave us a review subscribe and share the knowledge because we would really really appreciate that yes 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 And speaking of knowledge, let's get into the nitty-gritty of volunteerism with today's guest, Emily Scott, a registered nurse that has worked in local and global settings. Thanks so much, Emily, for joining us today. Can you just introduce yourself, tell us anything you want us to know, and where people can reach you? Yeah, so I'm Emily Scott, and I am a registered nurse. Uh, I actually, my original degree is in peace studies, because I'm kind of like a, I've always been kind of a bleeding heart, save the world (laughs) type person. So I got a degree in peace studies, and then through, you know, series of events, ended up going into nursing, um, and doing a lot of um, medical missions and global health um, work and disaster response. And kind of over the last 10 years of doing that off and on, I've kind of realized uh, how much damage people can cause doing that without knowing what they're doing. Um, so if I ended up kind of starting a blog. My husband and I do a blog together called Two Dusty Travelers, and we blog about ethical travel. Um, and a lot of what I talk about is volunteering ethically. So I still work. I still work as a as a registered nurse, like to pay the bills, and then I do I do medical missions kind of on the side. Okay. And they could reach you where? Yeah, on Instagram at Two Dusty Travelers, and our website is www.twodustytravelers.com. Awesome. And we're on Facebook too. I think all all the social media. We're all we're all Two Dusty Travelers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually really excited that we are able to talk to you today because I feel like we've interacted a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I feel like your blog or your website and the resources you put out there are super helpful. And awesome. you're also doing clinical work, which is, I think, typically when people think about goal health, they do think about the clinical work, doing abroad, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the medical mission. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see what you have to say about all that, even though I've read yeah. like everything you've written. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I could talk about it forever. It's my favorite topic. So yeah, (laughs) you'll have a hard time stopping me. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, So I I have a lot of questions. Yeah, same. I think we both have a lot of questions, but 
Emily, is there anything you'd like to start off with? Well, I would start off by saying that I used to tell everyone to go on a medical mission. <laughs> like when I was first, first doing this, I was like, it'll change your life. It's the best thing. It's like just wonderful and magical and you change the world and you change yourself and everything's great and you should do it. Um, like I would be talking people into doing it. And now like 10 years later, I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> um, not that no one should do it, but just that there's a lot that goes into it before you can do it um, ethically. So yeah, you can check out yeah. all that stuff. It sounds like so you started it. And it's funny that you talk about how you did peace studies and you, you know, always had this idea of like saving the world. Um, and that's how I remember myself too, going into like international development and yeah, wanting to do all this work. And then what was the process like for you going from that to where you are now and realizing like there's a lot of damage that can be done and um, possibly even the work that you've done earlier, you were contributing to that. So what yeah. was that like yeah. for you? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's been a really long journey of like Every mission I've gone on, I learn a little bit more. I honestly wish I had been quicker in figuring some of this stuff out. And that's why I like write about it so much, because I, I would love to catch people at that, that first mission that they go on. And so they know all this at the beginning, but either it wasn't really re being written about or I wasn't finding it when I first started. So I didn't you know know any of this stuff. And it took me several missions before I was like, I don't think I'm actually doing as much good <laughs> as I think I'm doing. Um, so yeah, every, every mission kind of, I've gotten a little bit better and a little bit better. So like the first medical mission I was ever involved in before I was even a nurse, I was volunteering in an orphanage right out of college and, you know, something I would never tell people to do. And the organization that I was working with also had a clinic and some nurses um, from Europe came in and did a medical mission. I just happened to be there and they just set up in this open area in the, in Kibera and the biggest slum in, in Nairobi. Um, and gave free medical care to anybody who wanted it. Um, and it was amazing to be a part of. I was like so jazzed by it. And like, I was like helping sterilize instruments because they were pulling teeth and they were, you know, treating infections and doing all, it was great. And like everybody in the slum, it felt like came and we felt like we saved the world. Right. And then we left. Um, and I felt really good about it. And that's what made me want to go to nursing school. I like went straight home and applied to nursing school because I was like, oh, this, this, this can be. I can have hands-on effect immediately, a real skill, because volunteering in that orphanage, let me tell you, I was like, I'm not helping. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing any important work here at all. I'm not changing this situation at all. But I was like, oh, if I had a skill. If I had a skill, you know, then this would be okay to do. Um, and I do think a lot of, not to get sidetracked, but I think a lot of medical professionals get um, a free pass on some of this volunteering stuff because we're like, oh, we're, we're skilled volunteers. So we are okay. You know, we're not doing anything unethical because we have a skill and we're, we're helpful. But yeah, but so now I look back on that first mission that I was even a little bit a part of, even though I wasn't a nurse yet. And I think, well, yeah, they showed up for three days. That's how long they were there. And they, you know, did as much as they could. And then they just took off. And like, I know that they treated people with chronic hypertension or HIV or, you know, malaria or I mean, any anything. And who's following up on those people, you know, you can give someone something to treat their hypertension for one day. Why bother? You know, um, in my opinion, now all of that time and money and resources and effort should be put into training local clinicians 
there was a clinic there that they based this work out of, of like Kenyan nurses and doctors that had very limited resources and I assume limited training that probably could have really used the effort of those nurses towards them to help their own community long term. So that's the kind of journey I've been on (laughs) over years of doing this is now I'm like, I don't want to do anything unless I know something to do with training local uh, caregivers. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where like this moment where you were like, wow, maybe I'm not doing approaching this the best way? Or was there like someone in your life who kind of brought that perspective to you? Or was it something just gradually like as you did this work, and you were thinking about it and reflecting on it that you came to where you are now? Yeah, no, it was definitely gradual. And just in wanting to, um, you know, I've been wanting to make this more and more a part of my career. Um, so you're always trying to, just like anything, you're trying to like get the experience so you can get in with the more well-respected organizations. And so to get your foot in the door, which is a problem, you have to like go out on these missions with people that like, you're like, uh, I don't know if you're going about this really the right way, but I can't even talk to Doctors Without Borders unless I have been on several other medical missions before, yeah. right? So it become very clear immediately already who I was aiming for, who I thought was like doing this work really well and who was not. And I was, you know, from the get go, not super comfortable with doing the work with people who were not doing it super well. But you feel like you feel like you have to to get experience, which is a bad setup for medical missions in general. So, yeah. So as I was trying to climb out of the like in what I think is like the lowest tier of opportunities for medical missions, I was like, I don't want to be doing this stuff anymore just out of experience and seeing the same organizations go back to the same places year after year and nothing has changed. And you're like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah. On top of, I think, many, many experiences over the years of working with really amazing local nurses, and mostly nurses, honestly, because a lot of in developing countries, there there aren't a lot of doctors, you know, nurses are doing a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I admit that I came into this at the beginning with the mindset that like American clinicians and nurses, doctors are better, right? We're better. We'll, we'll go and we'll do it better than they are, which isn't true <laughs> in a lot of cases. And, you know, you start working with these people and you're like, why do I think I know anything more about malaria than someone who lives in a malaria country, you know? Right. Or why would I think I can deliver a baby better than a Ugandan midwife who delivers like five a day? Like, I can't, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it was a lot of working alongside local practitioners and realizing like, oh, I, I'm not better than these people. And I don't know what made me, I do know what made me think that I was, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but I'm not. And just for context for some of our listeners who may not be as familiar mm-hmm. with your platform and this yeah. whole world of medical mission trips and yeah. volunteering, can you break it down for us a little bit about like what what is a medical mission trip, um, how to look for a quote-unquote good one to go to? Yeah. Um, and, and you talked about those tiers a little bit, like you had your eyes set on, let's say, Doctors Without Borders, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of meet the the organizations that lead up to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm unclear on what that looks like as well. Yeah. So I know I just yeah. kind of threw out a lot of questions on you. But <laughs> no, no, I'd love to talk about that, actually, because I think it's really important. It's like the question I get in my inbox almost every day. And I know mm. people mean it well. They're like, okay, well, I see you saying all these bad things about medical missions. What's a good organization I can go with? Yeah. And like, it's just not that simple. Like, I wish I could throw out five names. and like, these organizations are good. All the other ones are bad. And as long as you go with these ones, 
you'll do a good job. But to get back to the beginning of your question, there's a lot of different ways to do medical missions. I think the way most people think of it is like a short-term fly-in mission. That's kind of how these things um, got started, I think. So like a lot of people will ask me, like, where can I go for, I only have a week or two. I'm like, "Mm, I don't think you're going to make a huge difference in a week or two. But that's what most people, most nurses I want to know that have, that mean well, have good intentions, have a big heart, want to help, know they have a skill or like, I have a week or two of vacation, where could I go and help? And that's what most of this is. And most of those are set up as like mobile clinics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The volunteers bring in a bunch of medical supplies from home, usually show up in a place with limited resources, often, you know, just pick an empty space like a church or a community gathering building or whatever. And then the whole community just like descends upon them and they see everybody who wants to be seen in a couple of days. And then they maybe do like that in a couple of cities for a week or two. And then everybody goes home and feels great about themselves, which is, is fine. I don't know that you're like causing a terrible amount of harm. I think you're probably, you're definitely creating a dependence on these communities mm-hmm. to have foreign mm-hmm. medical teams coming in every few months forever so they don't set up their own um, mm. healthcare system. So that's a problem. But yeah, so that's kind of baseline. That's, what most, that's how I got started, for sure. And then there it goes all the way up to people who do, um, I don't know if you'd still call it mission, but people who do um, work in limited resource settings full time, like I have friends who work with Doctors Without Borders and they're usually like six to nine month stints and they just do them over and over and over and over again forever. Mm-hmm. That's their full time mm-hmm. job. And then there's like everything between, like there's places that'll take you for six months. Um, so there's all kinds of in between stuff. Generally, the longer you can go, in my opinion, the better chance you have of actually doing some good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's funny because, um, so Diana and I, we're, we're in global health and we talk a lot about yeah. how there's this like mystical kind of rose like what is that rose colored glasses or something that people put on Mm -hmm. when they think about yeah yeah, when they think about like the work that we do because they're like wow like such a humanitarian you're going around and saving lives and blah blah and then we're like there's so much (laughs) it's a lot more than um number one it's challenging yeah exactly and taking a week off to do something like a medical mission work versus devoting six to nine months out of your year and then also doing that over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. That's a lot that you are committing to, right? And I don't think yeah. people realize, like, if that's not the kind of lifestyle that you ideally want, then this isn't something you probably want to sign up for. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The long-term stuff, particularly, and, I, and I've had that kind of, for better lack of a better term, come to Jesus, talk with myself. Like, <laughs> I love my home base. Um, though my husband is 100% supportive, I do have a husband. I'd like to see him every now and then. Um, <laughs> and, like, I love my job here. And so I'm I'm not really set up right now to go on a nine-month medical mission. And, and that's, o- that's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you have to decide definitely which way you want to go about it. And, like, you're not going to get paid very much. And it's hard out there. You're going to see some really awful stuff. And you're going to feel, even though I think those people doing the long-term work are the ones making the most difference. Like it still doesn't feel like you're making enough. I think a lot of people feel that way. They get really burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to, yeah, it has to be something that I think you're doing out of just like pure passion rather than like, Oh, I'm saving the world. Cause that'll get that. Well, that'll go away. That'll get quick. Get away. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I get old quick. Like that. Oh, I'm, I'm saving the world. and I'm doing such a great thing. And I will say though, on the other hand, and this is a big pet peeve of mine that particularly for the short-term missions, you get so 
much of that. Like anyone who is on a short-term mission, <laughs> you'll see. And I got it when I when I'm doing it. You know, like all your friends and family. This is this stream of comments on on Instagram and Facebook. Like, oh, you're so wonderful, and thank you for doing this good work, and you're so amazing, <laughs> and you're so great. <laughs> on top of the fact, honestly, it looks great on your resume. It's helped me get jobs. I know that it has. So to frame it as you're giving this big sacrifice and doing this wonderful thing that has like, and not to discuss all the benefits it has for you, like I think is untruthful, you know, on top of the fact that it's fun. Like a lot of these long term, yes, it gets hard, it gets old, it gets difficult, but like short term missions are fun. (laughs) You know, you get to go see a new place, like see some diseases you never see at home, which for us is pretty cool, you know, and then you get to go home at the end of a week or two. Like it's not that hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's like this overinflation of your role within that period of time. Um, yeah. And then people feed into that inflation. And I think it does speak to a larger idea that just because you're from the United States or from mm-hmm. some European country and you're going like already because of that itself, your role in this world is overinflated as super impactful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, yeah, yeah. Once you go to like some African country or Southeast Asia, all of a sudden that role is like amazing and so mm-hmm. cool because apparently those other countries, um, it's not as great. It's not, it's, we're not at the same baseline. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Which bums me yeah, out but, so much. I'm, I'm always telling people, like when people ask me where to volunteer ethically and oh, I only have a week or two, I'm like, just, just travel. Just like go to Uganda and take a trip. Like it's the best. You don't have to volunteer. <laughs> like, yeah, they're not dying for white Americans to come and save them. Like <laughs> you just go and travel and like meet the nice people and see the beautiful animals and spend some money there. And like, that's great too. Yeah. I feel like just going with the whole like white American type of thing. I'm doing air quotes just for <laughs> no, listeners. You can say you can, can say I white savior. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay, yeah, um, but absolutely a misconception that's just so commonly throughout at least the United States and I believe Europe too that all the other countries are not doing as well. Like everyone is just functioning. Like people there are having a perfectly fine life and happy life. They like, they're happy the way that like, we don't have to go there and be like, here is what I, well, I feel so out of touch. Be like, here's Nickelodeon. Like they don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No. Yes. No, it's so true. Yeah. And like every time, every time I have friends that are like traveling to developing countries, they're always like asking me what they should bring or people give me all sorts of stuff that they don't need because they assume I'm, I'll be off to a developing country soon. And I'm like, I don't need to bring your old t-shirts yeah. or what, you know, like people have, have clothes. There are malls in Africa. Like, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think people have a pretty warped vision of, yeah. I mean, I definitely, if I go on a mission, I, I am in contact with the locals on the ground and I ask them if there's something that they specifically need and I'm happy to bring that. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of stuff just like, just crap gets brought that people don't want. And I'm like, they don't want it in in Africa either. (laughs) Yeah, I was recently reading something that said how they're losing, like, people that are volunteering or those long-term workers at different organizations, like, they're losing time because they have to sort through the junk that people send because people think that's what they need or it's like they're old things. And they're like, well, we have to devote time to getting rid of it properly. So they're yep. like, that's yep. actually counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. Volunteers, like, yeah, if it's not done carefully, volunteers can really be a burden. Yeah. You know, you have to, especially for a week or two, you have to like house and feed and then train these people who are just going to like come and go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why, why these short term 
uh, missions charge an exorbitant amount of money on one hand and like where is all this money going like that is ridiculous on the other hand and like well yeah you're taking care of a group of 10 people for two weeks who are essentially just going to be like in the way yeah so hopefully at least some of their money goes to right. something useful <laughs> yeah i so when i was getting my master's i interned with an organization um and they do global health work and my supervisor she was just telling me how they're, they have these short-term mission trips that they do send out. So they look for skilled health professionals, <clears throat> and then they send them out on these missions. And sometimes these slots get filled by parents who are accompanying yeah. like their teenage kids. Yeah. And she was like, it's really frustrating because there's time that has to be devoted to making sure that the teenager and the mom or the father, usually it's the mom, aren't getting in the way of the work. That <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that they do is, you know, one of the things that we do is we help restock their pharmacies, wherever clinic yeah. they're working in, and uh, yeah. and they sort through the medicine. And so because that doesn't require really administering any kind of medical care, they put, like, the volunteers who don't really have the skill sets to just restocking and organizing things. Yeah. Um, and then she was talking about this, mother and daughter and how because they were in that setting it was there was a moment where the daughter was not really given an opportunity but there was an opening for her to give shots Uh to patients that were coming in and then the the mom was really adamant that like it happened so that her daughter can get experience yeah Um, and it was like we can't have you do that because you literally don't have the credentials or the skill set to do this which is why we Oh like yes. sorting. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm nodding so hard because this is one of my biggest pet peeves, and I say it as someone who has done it. I went on a medical mm-hmm. mission as a nursing student, and I, looking back, I'm like, oh my god, you were so in the way. <laughs> it's a huge thing now. My the nursing school I went to wasn't doing this like when I was there, but now they send they go on a medical mission every summer to the Dominican Republic, and my understanding of it is they take ten students, and each student. Oh pays a thousand dollars plus airfare or whatever and then they do a mobile clinic like i was talking about and they all they all treat they'll see and treat patients nursing students that aren't credentialed yet Mm -hmm. under the um credential of like one local doctor like under their license so if someone i guess dies like that person would be liable is how i understand that you know i it doesn't and i just yeah to me Using developing countries as a classroom without consent is a huge thing that's mm. going on in medical missions. Like, so many med students, nursing students are, are like, oh, well, you can go to Africa. And you, and you can. You can go to Africa and get away with anything. You can. Like, no one will stop you. Um, yeah. So you get a lot of experience, but you're, 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 doing, you're gaining experience on people that have not consented to be treated by someone that doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It blows my mind because put those same people in back into the United States, and if they oh, were to yeah. witness someone who doesn't have who doesn't have the degree or the training, and then they were to yeah. administer something like that, like you would be angry. You'd be like, "Oh no, you can't oh, do yeah. that." Yeah. But then that same person will go to some other country and be like, "Yeah, we, this is totally acceptable." Like, yeah. He said or I can like, do it, so why not? Yeah, totally. Yeah. If Kenyan nursing students wandered into my hospital where I work, I'm a labor and, labor and delivery nurse, and started, like, delivering babies, <laughs> we would be like, 
like they would go to jail. <laughs> like yeah. you can't, mm-hmm. you can't. But I mean, I think it's a it's a problem on our side, our own white savior complex for sure. We assume we can do everything and we'll do it better than than local uh, practitioners will. It's also a problem because that mindset has seeped into, at least in my experience, that mindset has seeped into how local nurses and doctors work in developed countries and how they see us. Mm-hmm. I they assume we're better too, which I have to actively be like, no, 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 no. Like mm-hmm. you know more about malaria than I do. Mm-hmm. You know more about this than I do. Like there's maybe some things I know more about, but like this is all you. You know, I've been in labor rooms in Kenya and Tanzania and Uganda and Sierra Leone where. Like the mid, the local midwife who does this for a living every day, mm-hmm. just will take her gloves off and step aside and say to me, "Okay, you deliver the baby because huh. you're the you're the guest, I guess, and also maybe because I'm white and American, they think I'll do it better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, and I have to be like, no, 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 <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> like I deliver baby, like." I mean, to go down a rabbit hole a little bit, I deliver babies in the States as a nurse. I'm not licensed to deliver a baby. I do when there's no one else in the room. Like, if it happens too yeah. fast and there's no doctor there, of course, I catch the baby. You know, I've done yeah. it. It's fine. I do the same thing in developing countries where a lot of times there's just not enough staff. And if the baby is being delivered, you deliver it and it's fine. And I know what I'm doing. But I don't do it if someone more trained mm-hmm. <laughs> is standing right next to me because they happen to be local or black like it doesn't become my job like no Mm -hmm. in terms of like ethics since you said that you've worked in a couple of different types of settings and i know that you obviously can't speak to the organizations like you're not them but like from your experience and what you've seen do they offer some form of like ethics course or a crash course because not everyone going into these settings has ever like had a proper ethics course right like Mm -hmm. well in reality everyone should have because if you're practicing some form of medicine at any level you i would imagine you've had an ethics course that you've passed and like (laughs) taken an oath should Um, should yep but like a refresher and a reminder of all those things that you've just commented on you know like yeah. Hey, you're not better than people that are trained and higher level than you. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Every organization is different, unfortunately. And that's why it's such a minefield out there mm-hmm. to do this kind of volunteer work. Because, and let's see. <laughs> How do I want to come at this? I've had organizations that I super looked up to um, end up disappointing me because they weren't following all the beautiful words on their website. But I was like, oh, they have this whole volunteer guidebook and all the rules we're supposed to be following. Not happening on the ground. But yeah, some organizations will do that. We'll send you a volunteer packet beforehand and you have to read through all this stuff and agree. And um, I worked with a group called Midwives for Haiti, in Haiti, obviously, and they train local skilled birth attendants. It's pretty cool. And they send you a whole packet and you have to read through it and learn about the ethics and like what's allowed and what's not and what you're allowed to do on the ground in the hospitals and what you're not allowed to do and they have very clear um like social media rules mm-hmm. you're not allowed to take pictures in the hospital like i was like standing in a corner and they had us in these like this like crazy it looked like a like a butcher's apron this big plastic apron it was just so funny like <laughs> You're gonna get you're gonna get stuff on yourself when this baby comes out, right? So it's just this crazy, like yeah. plastic, huge apron. And like I was standing off in a corner, there's no patients, just a wall, and like someone snapped a picture of me. And like one of the group leaders saw it later and was like, uh-uh, delete that. And I which I really respected. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a funny thing. I was just gonna look at it for me. I wasn't gonna put it on the internet. But but I know you're right. I shouldn't have my phone out in the hospital. Like, yeah, that's fine. 
Yeah, and then other organizations will be the opposite of that, which they have no rules, anything goes, you can wander through the hospital and take pictures of people in labor and put it on social media and, like, go to town. <laughs> yeah. So it is, in my, opinion, in my opinion, it's the responsibility of the volunteer, unfortunately, right now, because there's no, there's no set rules out there guiding ethics of medical missions. You have to be responsible for yourself and figuring out where you draw your lines of what you feel is appropriate mm-hmm. and stick to it once you get out there and, you know, opportunities arise. Yeah. I wonder, because I know that there are people who argue, sure, there can be harmful consequences, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we're still providing medical care. So the pros mm-hmm. outweigh the cons. Yeah. You know, that's a common thing that people will say. And I don't know. What's your response to that when people are like, well, you're still doing good work. You're still providing medical care. So... At the yeah. end of the day, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I get it It falls a lot under that same, a similar argument I hear, which is that it's better than nothing, which I really, like, really hate that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I feel like anything you, are, any of these situations, just flip the script and ask if you would like that mindset applied to yourself and your care and your family's medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone showed up and gave kind of subpar care or like didn't have any plan for follow-up or like whatever and then was like well it wasn't the best but like it's better than nothing or like just be happy that you got what you got like I don't think you'd be happy with that Mm. and I don't think we should expect people in developing countries to be happy with that either which isn't to say that people should stop doing medical missions and like not do anything at all and like but there should be a plan at least to work yourself out of a job and to transfer all of this power to local nurses and docs and local clinics and hospitals. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yes, go do do what you're already doing. Do the um, free clinics and the mobile clinics and like come and give care for a week or two. Great. That's fine. You're, you're, I'm, yes, you're not doing harm in most cases, but there's no reason that you shouldn't have a component of that that is training locals. That is, what's the handoff? It doesn't have to be in a year or 10 years, or but it may very well take you know, decades, Mm -hmm. but there should be a component of that where you're training for a handoff to locals in which you don't need to be there anymore. Right. Otherwise, otherwise you are doing harm. I think you are creating a dependence on, on foreign clinicians and you're perpetuating this idea that these people can't take care of themselves and you'll believe that and then they'll start to believe that and that's harmful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From what you were saying, I I was starting to think, okay, like how can I reframe my own mindset about how I think about this whole um, global mission work or just global Mm -hmm. health work in general? I think it really does start from shifting this paradigm that, like, I'm going somewhere to help. Yeah. Because that's, whereas that may be true to an extent, I'm thinking, okay, let's flip this script a little bit and say that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, the United States is just being bombarded with malaria cases. Yeah. And so my my partner, he's a physician, right? And he's like, yeah, we don't really see a lot of these infectious diseases that are more common in other parts of the world just because it's not really endemic in the United States, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. And so he'll be like, there is like, there are things like chikungunya or malaria, but if it were to happen here, he's like, we're going to really need some infectious disease specialists because we're not really trained. We didn't, we don't see a lot of patients who do this work. And I'm, I'm thinking like, and that if something like that were to happen, we'd would we reach out to all these doctors and nurses where they do face a lot of these cases and fly mm-hmm. them in yeah. and have them train us yeah. and mm-hmm. learn about them? And 
Yeah. If that were the case, this is a global partnership, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're learning about things that we typically aren't exposed to. So in the same instance, when um, nurses or doctors or global health practitioners go to other countries, in that sense, like they have a lot of resources that they're familiar with, but mm-hmm. there may, there might be something that they need in that community. And perhaps mm-hmm. that's something that you can aid in providing. Mm-hmm. And so it's this partnership that's happening, right? Like you're sharing resources, you're sharing skill sets rather than you going yeah. in and being like, I'm going to save your clinic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would like, I would love it if, like I was talking about the my nursing school that I went to does this trip to the DR every year. I would love it if, if they would just reframe the way they do the trip. You don't have to cancel the trip, you know, even if they just reframed it as, oh, we're going to go and we're going to learn from each other rather than these nursing mm-hmm. students are going to go save the Dominican Republic. Like <laughs> these medical missions <laughs> We're framed as like, you can learn from the nurses in the DR and they might learn something from you and we can all work together and like, great. Like that's, that's such a much better way of, of framing it rather than, yeah, as I think the word mission bothers me so much. It's like what everybody uses and nobody knows what I'm talking about. If I yeah. say like, oh, I'm going on a humanitarian medical trip. I don't know, you know, but like, it sounds like missionary, which is not what we are. Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of like. So it just you can't say I'm going on a medical mission without sounding like I'm going to save this country. Like it, that's just how it sounds. It's a joke. But I would love it if we could come up with a different way of framing it, a different way of calling it. That you know, actually, there's a book that I love that I give to everyone um, called Learning Service and like the swap of service learning. You know, and it applies to all kinds of volunteering abroad. But this is their idea that like. It should be a partnership and two-way street. You have things to learn. They have things to learn. We both have things to learn and teach from each other. Mm-hmm. So to not come in as a savior. But it's a great book for anyone who wants to volunteer abroad for, like, any reason and any expertise. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I got the book because I, I oh, yeah. recommended it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to read this. Um, yeah, I think-, I think it comes at things kind of nicely for people who aren't quite ready to be hit with, like, <laughs> you're a white savior <laughs> you know like it kind of starts <laughs> ramps up slow so you're like oh yeah yeah i totally am <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this rude awakening like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a challenge right though you know to like to put this information out there to people who aren't ready to hear it and to say it in a way that they won't just shut down that's mm-hmm. that's a challenge too you know yeah I mean, I, gosh, I have so many embarrassing moments in my past, too, where yeah, I yeah. had that mindset where I'm like, I'm going to go and save Africa because, you know, all 58 countries, <laughs> however many yeah. countries are. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's just, you know, in that moment, I could say, I mean, it is a product of how I grew up and like what information I was fed, but it doesn't excuse yeah. my behavior or yeah. even mm-hmm. my mindset. And like knowing better than I have a very honest and real responsibility to not engage in that mindset, right? And yeah. to actively try to fight that narrative and in, in doing what I can. And mm-hmm. it's it is challenging, but it's doable is the thing. Like, yeah, it's challenging in the sure. sense where it's like, you're going to have to give up a lot of your pride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. But that's a yeah. hard thing. Like, a lot of people yeah. are like, it's very difficult to do that. Because, I mean, if you if we just, like, go back a little bit to when you were saying that 
you had that picture and then you deleted it, but a lot of people do take pictures. Like all those people that post pictures of them doing all that, they take a lot of pride in thinking that they're doing this, like, like maybe they are doing great work. Maybe they're working with a great organization. I don't know what they're like, what exactly they're doing, but the fact that they're posting all these pictures that are these private pictures without consent from everybody and then trying to like boost their ego and boost their pride and everything. And then if you go comment on it and be like, Hey, you should like, is this okay for you to be sharing like that? Like they're already shutting down. So like both of you have talked about how you can be like, you've grown into being able to like understand more and see more and not like being able to see through all of the issues around it. But a lot of people can't. And I, and you're saying that you have the, the book helps to not be such a rude awakening, but how, like you do it really well, Emily, in like explaining everything, but it's also really hard to do like in the like social media setting or in like other platform setting. And like, how do you, okay, I'm trying to like frame this properly. The people that are coming to your page and everything, right. And like to your yeah. platform, they want to know the information. Yeah. But there are for sure. so many people out there that don't want to hear it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, that's really the like the issue is because the reason that the organizations that aren't doing as good of a job ethically or for the communities that they're in they're catering to those kinds of populations and like those people right so Mm -hmm. it's how how do we even begin to like address that on the manpower level the human resource level where it's like the people that are going and like filling those spots and paying for those spots and then also the organizations without having complete backlash because i mean i've been part of it and i'm sure both of you have been part of it like all of the different things like talking to different people and like trying to educate on different things and like having threads of conversations and it gets tiring like it's tiring (laughs) yeah it is it's super tiring yeah how like how do we even start yeah, with no, those, like, those people? I, I, I wish I had an answer. I could answer. I mean, I do think, I feel like I have a lot, uh, I get a lot of traction on just one-on-one conversations. I mean, I work every day as a nurse and people know that I do this stuff. They like identify me as the person who like, oh, you're the medical mission person, which I'm like, oh boy. Um, so people come to me constantly, constantly and are like, where can I go? What can I do? I really want to, you've always wanted, every nurse will say, always wanted to do a medical mission every nurse will say that and you're like okay well (laughs) let's break that down a little bit why do you want to do it and what do you really think you're going to be doing but I do I try to come at it from an angle of like oof I am going to tell you all the stuff I wish I had known when I started I try to come at it as like oh I'm going to do you a favor rather than I'm going to like crush your dream Mm -hmm. like (laughs) because I'm like you don't want to go and and do this work and realize later you made a mess and you didn't help anyone Mm -hmm. like so I try to come at it from that angle and people seem to be responsive. There it is difficult because, and sometimes disheartening because it's like there are two groups of people. There are people who really want to do good and want to know how to do it best. Mm-hmm. And there are people who just want to take a picture with someone who is sick and, you know, they want to take a picture with an African orphan yeah. and they want to put it on their social media and that's what they want to get out of this. And they're going to do it no matter what you tell them. <laughs> So just for my own mental health, I've had to try to like, you know, you, you say your piece and you make it clear. And if, if people go and do it anyway, there's, I can't do anything about that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's a certain number of people who are just going to go and do it anyway, you know, which is sad. But I think, I think this is getting talked about more and more and people are understanding it more and more. So I think 
pretty soon. You know, like I've spoken at a couple of nursing school classes and people are like very aware of this issue. Okay. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stoked about that. Yeah. I think maybe it's like making its way into medical schools and nursing schools now. There was a time I think when it was super cool to like go to Africa or to developing countries when you were in school. And now it's, now it's getting a little, maybe less, <laughs> less so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish people had the same attitude about health, like global health care as they did about like, you know, elephants and not riding elephants yes yeah 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 yeah. i know that's that's also a very real issue you know like you know don't ride elephants they go through so much abuse blah blah blah. and then it's but then it's also like human life is also very important yeah well no i think it's like diana said i think it's so easy to convince yourself that you're doing something Mm -hmm. good even if you know Mm -hmm. like you can't really convince yourself that like oh no but the elephants need to be ridden you know like (laughs) (laughs) like but, like, I think people, they're like, don't tell me I'm not doing a good job. I, I went to the Dominican Republic yeah. and I and I handed out antibiotics. So, like, how dare you? And I'm yeah. like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, and it's also very, it's a very tangible action, right? Like, you, yeah. like, it's not just some abstract theoretical thing that they did. It's like they they were there, they provided an antibiotic or did something. Yeah. And yeah. that is the solid evidence that they have for themselves that they did something good. And yeah. They don't want that to be taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 For sure. And, you know, I feel like I, a lot of people who do global health work, I feel like, I mean, obviously I don't know the, the solid numbers or anything like that, but I'm willing to bet like the majority of us go into the work initially having that savior complex idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No matter how well intentioned or whatever, like all of us, have at one point in our life have said, yeah, we just want to make the world a better place. Like we care. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, I think that's a great place to come in because anyone can just want to make some kind of impact. Like why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think what matters at the end of the day is then how, how you actually play that out and yep. what relationships you build and what kind of, what kind of impact that you make versus what you think you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, anyone could want to help each other and help you know communities or be part of communities but that doesn't that's not your credential for if like, yeah that's, you know, a, that's not that enough yeah for sure no that's one of my like mottos that I say daily when I'm like trying to decide what organization to go with or should I go or on the ground should I do this particular thing I'm like impact over intention always like I find myself being like oh I meant well with this or like my intention was good and like no it no it doesn't matter like Mm -hmm. what was the impact you had in the end like I know your heart was in the right place I know you meant well what what (laughs) what happened in the end to the local community that you were trying to like save what was the impact of your actions that that's what matters Mm -hmm. and that's that's just a that's I think that's hard for people to because people are like, I meant well, my heart was good, and like, sorry, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I really don't, but it sucks that <laughs> you actually caused harm, even though you meant to do yeah. a good job. You know, it's like orphanage volunteer. This isn't this isn't global health, but like orphanage volunteering is a huge one for me. I'm like, yeah, yeah I know you love the the babies, and that's great. Like, but you're causing <laughs> these commodification of children in yeah. developing countries. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. No, yeah. Yeah, no, your whole orphanage, like, information and education resources that you have on your website, um, that that was super helpful for me to use because when I did that workshop a while back at a conference yeah. on ethical travel, I mean, 
I use that a lot. And I think awesome. people are very surprised because you think orphan, like kids yeah. who need help, orphanages are like this temporary housing space for them before they get saved. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just an aside, like yeah. that was very No, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. No, we've all been we've all been fed. It's the same white savior thing. We've all been fed this idea that like these kids, they just need someone to like to love them. No one loves them. Like, aren't there anyone in their community or there's no volunteers anywhere in Africa that can like love underprivileged children? They need like white people to come and love them for a week and then leave and cause like major damage. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. I feel like so far we've talked about us as foreigners going into different countries and imposing or trying to do global health work and the issues that can come up with that. Now, I know that there is also a very real case where even at the local capacity or the local community capacity, it's not perfect. And I put perfect in air quotes because like you said earlier, how they, they also kind of feed into this idea like, oh, because you're white, like, I, like you do this, even though they're yeah. more skilled in doing that. Yeah. Or there will be um, local community members who will cater to this white savior complex or will actually kind of exploit foreigners coming in for their own benefit while they have like an organization that they're trying to benefit like their local children or communities or families. Yeah. But they're the ones that are actually taking in all the benefits. Let's benefits meaning like money, right? Where yeah. Yeah. people will people will be like, Yeah, come volunteer with us, but then like the actual volunteer work you do isn't really helpful, number one. And the money that you pay into volunteering, it doesn't really go into the community at all. It goes into yeah. like whoever's yeah. organizing or whatever. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, you have to be kind of a detective when you're trying to figure out what organizations to go with and, like, ask very blunt questions about, like, who's getting the money and who's in charge and, you know. And on- honestly, some of these things you you don't realize until you – you do all the research and you think you're fine. You don't realize it until you get on the ground and then you're like, oh, no, like, mm-hmm. I can see that none of this money is being go- is going where, I, where yeah. I thought it was. You know, it's just like anything you have to just do the best that you can. Um on top of the fact that like there's so there's so much um cultural stuff going on that like yeah <laughs> that I don't know you know when I hand my money I want to give my money over to like local leaders like that's what I want I want them yeah. to be running their programs and stuff like that um and then um like I was the you know the Instagram account um no white saviors which is wonderful um it talks mm-hmm. about a lot of these issues um they posted a thread a while back. They had somehow gotten a hold of like a bunch of missionaries in Uganda to- on this thread talking about all the things they hated about Ugandans, which is oh my god, one of yeah, like That's they horrible. were like yeah, they tried to defend themselves and they're like oh no, we also have another list of all the things we love about Uganda, and I was like okay, well whatever. Oh. Um, but one of them was like, oh, the leaders are so, like, they're, everyone is so corrupt. So you give them money, you don't know where the money's going to, and lot, you know. And I'm like, well, this is like, at some point, you're just going to have to hand over power to the locals and not assume that everyone is corrupt because they're African and, like, let them do what they will with it, you know? And if, if, if something is clearly being mismanaged, that's one thing. But you can't just be like, oh, well, you know, we need to have an American handling all the money because. Africans are corrupt like 
when like we have plenty of prep shit going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of charities stealing money. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. Oh, that's yeah, not just, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm and I'm so glad uh, your response was great because, uh, gosh, when and this is just we're talking like organizational level, right? Like NGOs and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I'm like, this happens internationally. Like, mm. yeah. oh, international yeah. organizations, particularly U.S. international organizations who do global yep. health work, you, the communities don't see a lot of the money that gets poured into mm-hmm. it. No. Yep. For whatever yeah. reason. Uh, and it's like, and I think especially, at least in the discussions that I've had with people, whether in the classroom or wherever, this this topic of corruption always comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so infuriating because these people will be like, yeah, like we need to build local capacity. We need to empower people. And it's our role. It's not our role to like go and save, but we just need to like be there and help in whatever they need. Right. And then you'll start talking about, okay, so then how are we going to funnel resources and money into this Mm -hmm. community? And then it's like almost all the time people will be like, well, you know, there's potential for corruption. So we need to handle all the resources and money. You're like, what are you talking about? No, that's where the corruption's at. Yeah. (laughs) It's all, it's also, yeah, exactly. It's also all of the funnels of like this organization to this, to this, to this, to this, to this. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it gets to the community, everybody's hands have been in it. So everyone's like, yeah, I've taken my fee. So here's your $3. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? That started out as something like, that's something like, you know, 50,000 to like this little, like a little bit. I don't, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. I don't understand it's that not much. It's, it's not enough. It's not, no, it's, I, yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I always think, uh, you, you, um, talking about my nursing school, but I was talking to the, the people who were running this mission to the DR and I was like doing the math in my head about how much it costs if each student pays a thousand dollar fee and then airfare and then they all pay to get immunizations and then they whatever. I'm like, add up all the money that you spent on that and then like just give it to the clinic and the DR. Yeah. Like uh-huh. that's so much money. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. that also goes to what you were saying like way earlier with people trying to figure out what to do with their like two week vacation. If you just went and spent yeah. that money locally right like you went into like all the shops nearby and you bought things that were being made by people living there then you're giving back to the community and you are also enjoying yourself and it's still something that's beneficial like that's just i mean yes it's not medicine but it's just as beneficial to the community because you're pouring resources back into the community yeah right yeah yeah so like legit (laughs) my husband and i booked a a trip to El Salvador after Trump called it a shithole because we were so annoyed. (laughs) And like, that was all we, that was all we did. Like we had never heard, I mean, I knew El Salvador existed, but we had never like thought of it as a place to go traveling before. And then he said this awful thing and we were like, fuck that. (laughs) And Aaron had like some days off coming up. And so I didn't go on a mission. I didn't, we just like went there and spent money and like put it on Instagram and that like El Salvador is great. You should go like, that's great. That's fine. You know, like, and yeah, if you're going to get out. There's nothing wrong with tour- tourism. Yeah. Like, no, not if it's done right. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, I think there are things. You could really <laughs> screw up tourism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Respectful like, tourism. Think people, like, volunteering versus tourism. They're like, volunteering is more humanitarian and yeah, like yeah. a better thing to yeah. do. And it's like, 
honestly, yeah, if you're going to use $2,000, $3,000 to make an impact that's barely noticeable yeah. versus yeah. going yeah, and go stimulating the yeah. economy and enjoying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know exactly where your yeah. money is going if you're just being a tourist mm-hmm. also instead of yeah. going into yeah. that mess of being yeah. like, they're not actually using the money properly. So Yeah. 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 And we've gotten like... We've gotten into this mindset because Vaughn tourism has, like, gotten so popular so quick, I think, that I've had people tell me, like, is it okay to go to Africa and not volunteer? I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine, dude. Like, yeah. you can totally do that. <laughs> Africa is great. I hate, like, I know I just keep saying Africa, like, the whole continent. But, like, <laughs> all of the different countries I've been to in Africa are great, you know. Yeah. You can just go. You don't have to volunteer. Yeah, I've had nurses be like, I want, I really want to go to Africa. I really want to like see Kenya or whatever. But like, I feel like I need to volunteer while I'm there. I'm like, you don't. If you if you if you don't feel like you're gonna have a positive impact, then don't. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe, and I don't know if how you feel about this, Emily. But let's say if I was, and I did want to see how clinics operated in different countries. Yeah. Um, I know when I was in med and I wanted to see how doctors did their work, you email them and you're like, can I shadow you? Yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm like, is that, that would de- probably be more appropriate Yeah. to just like reach totally. out, like go and be like, hey, can I just like shadow you for a day or two? And I, I would like to see the work that you and your clinic or your hospital is doing. Because at that point, you're realizing like, I'm not going to do any kind of hands-on work. It's just. Yeah. You just yeah, and I I wish more nursing schools would transition over to that kind of a program. Like if just just change your medical mission program that you do every summer over to to that, where nursing students go and shadow because you have you have a ton to learn mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, gosh, I've learned so much about how to function with limited resources from nurses <laughs> that I've worked with in developing countries. It's it's nuts what these people can do mm-hmm. with when like when I walk into my clean utility room in my hospital and exactly what I want isn't there, you like melt down, you know, you're like, why don't I have this supply? <laughs> Someone should have yeah. stocked this for me, you know? Or like I just feel like I I function completely differently as a nurse, having done so much um, work in developing countries, just I just I just don't panic about stuff mm-hmm. that like a lot of other nurses panic about. I think I'm just like eh, it'll probably be fine. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a way to fix it. We have way more resources than a lot of other you know emergencies I've been in. So we're we're good. We're probably all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have so much to learn. I would I think that would be a great program um, for nursing schools and medical schools. I think that would be awesome. Um, and I think. Even if, if your nursing school or your medical school is doing some sort of medical mission now, there's something to be said for, like, going and participating um, and speaking to whoever's running the mission, who's ever in charge, and putting those ideas forward and, you know, acting that way when you are there with the local docs and nurses, saying, oh, no, I'm here to learn from you, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, just doing it that way if you really want to go and and get the experience and, you know, see another country and see how they work, then, then act that way and set an example, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think it's definitely possible because I've had the opportunity with a professor who is a, he's an MD and he also teaches different medical schools. And I was able to go with him and shadow the way that he teaches courses in other countries. Cool. Right. So I could like see yeah. how, other schools taught their medical curriculum and what they did. And I thought that was super interesting because it is quite different from what I've experienced here. Yeah. Granted, I never yeah. finished my program here 
So like I'm not a full <laughs> anything, but like yeah. being able to compare what I experienced here versus what I've experienced and like what people are learning in like Turkey or in Barcelona yeah. or like yeah. Spain, you know, like those were very yeah. different things. Yeah. And that was yeah. an interesting experience in itself. Like, yeah, I didn't touch anything or look at it. Like, you know, I literally just watched and took notes and asked questions. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. On top of like, I mean, I work in Seattle, but we get patients from everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just how it is now. Um, And so to go and see, like, I, I definitely learned from working in Uganda with local midwives and how she talks to like her like Sudanese patients about family planning is very differently than I would talk to my patients in the States about like birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get those patients like get, like we have patients that are refugees from Sudan in my hospital. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I know how like your midwife in, you know, in Uganda and refugee camp was like talking about some of these issues or approaching some yeah. of this stuff. And like, mm-hmm. we see these people like they're part of our country. So yeah, it definitely can inform how you, how you work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This idea of cultural competency intrigues me because mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's something that's being integrated more into global health training, um, like being more yeah. culturally competent. And, and there's like papers on it and there's like studies on it. And it's just, I don't know if any of us really know what it means to be culturally competent. Yeah. yeah. It's not like a, it's, you don't have, I mean, you could technically put some like bars of that you're supposed to meet. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it comes down to like, it's this constant process of putting yourself in a position where you realize you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what it means to be like culturally competent, I think. Just that there's that baseline of like, I'm never going to know everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing mm-hmm. you do know for sure is yourself and like the context of where you operate. And yeah. That you grew up in. And, um, so, I think if people want to be more culturally competent and do and work with different cultures and populations doing, yeah, like, like you've said, just bringing in those experiences from doing work abroad or even in the United States, doing work with different kinds of communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like absolutely. that's super helpful in terms of application. Yeah. And, who, and like having patients or people that you work with in those contexts and you're like, oh, like, I think, I think I know how to navigate this. Maybe not perfectly, but at least you yeah. have some kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And on, like to just segue off of that, speaking of working in your own communities, like there's so much work to be done in our own communities too. That people who want to help, mm-hmm. you don't have to go across the ocean. Mm-hmm. There are right. needy communities that do need your help um, in our own backyard. So if you want, if you only yeah. have a week or two or something like that, like maybe something like that is more appropriate. And also similarly, like, you know, helps you learn about people who are not living maybe the same as you are, come from a different background, from a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, Seattle has this big, you're just reminding me, Seattle has this big clinic in our like basketball stadium every year. It's huge. Um, called the um, Seattle King County Clinic, and they just offer free care for anyone who can't get it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of a stopgap because this is not this is not solving our long term problem of healthcare in the states. But like right. you know, people who are undocumented or homeless or whatever reason can come and get like anything, like dental care, mammograms, foot care, immunizations, eyeglasses, yeah. everything. It's pretty cool, you know. And then like you can just start with that. You don't have to fly across the world. <laughs> Good, good place to start. They need volunteers. Yeah. And actually, I think Denver has something similar, too, where 
Um, yeah. It's called like Nine News Healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's sponsored by our Nine News Denver channel. I'm guessing it is because it's yeah. like right in yeah. the name. Uh, yeah. But essentially, I know that anyone can host those um, clinics. So I yeah. know like churches will sometimes do it or like other places will do it. They'll have a space and then they'll have doctors and nurses volunteer their time to come in. And yeah. then it's just yeah. open to the community to just come in and get like their routine checkups. Uh, and it's yeah. literally like a lot. Like I think I think some some of the places they even have like blood draws that they can do. Yeah. All a little bit like more checkups for like more um I guess higher level care but yeah. then also just like basic primary level care too and because a lot of and like you said it's for anyone and everyone to come in and just yeah which like <laughs> says something about our healthcare system in the states right that we <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> like well like i was listening I'm, uh, there's a um podcast called not, not to like put out <laughs> put your your uh competition <laughs> out there on blast but um called what's it called Failed, failed missionary, failed missionary podcast, mm-hmm. and they there's not so much medical, but they are used to be missionaries and they talk about how messed up the that system is. But uh, yeah. one of the people contributing to the podcast was saying what we do in like going to save people in other countries, especially with healthcare. Right, it's like having a totally overgrown front yard that's just a mess, and then like wandering over to your neighbor's yard and to like telling them why their flowers aren't growing right, like. We've got, <laughs> we're messed up. We've got our own stuff at home that is like yeah. super, super broken. And we're like going over to developing countries to tell them like, let's tell you how to do healthcare because we're doing it really well. Yeah, that's no. so funny. And I think that's such a funny image because it's like, it's so true. You, you set up, you have these mobile clinics that you maybe volunteer at in these other countries. And then you're like, yeah, there were so many people that came like, you yeah, know, so many people lined up and like we barely got a break because there were so many people that needed, you know, their routine checkups. And then like the King County Clinic that you just talked about. Yeah, and then the it's the same. Clinic, I'm like the same thing. Like the whole community showed up yeah. and for like 12 hours, you know, doctors and nurses are giving these routine checks to people that need it in the United States because the United States healthcare system is yeah. not the best. Disaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean. Like these, I think these trips could be really, really great if we would all just reframe them as like we have so much to learn from each other, mm-hmm. which we do. Mm-hmm. You know, because America's not getting it one hundred percent right for sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like no. No other words need to be said for that. <laughs> it's no. just what it is. No. <laughs> I mean, I work in. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I'm very well aware that our maternal mortality is like pretty bad in the states mm-hmm. and yet we're still telling everybody how to do it right uh, yikes yeah so anyway totally different topic so aaron's a teacher right yes yeah because we were talking earlier and we were wondering if he was gonna join or not he's teaching right now but he has volunteered we vol- have volunteered together some we lived in tanzania together for about six months this was like early on this is when I was a fairly new nurse early on in this journey of realizing that like I don't know everything <laughs> uh, and he I volunteered at, a, at like a birth center and he volunteered at a school um, for as long as our money held out that was a huge uh, learning experience for both of us because we 
signed up with um, International Volunteer Headquarters. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're super popular for volunteerism of all kinds. They're really inexpensive, and they'll basically, like, they're like, tell us what you want to do and where you want to go, and we'll make it happen for you. So we, we were there for, like, six months, and I think, because both of us had a skill, I was a nurse and he was a teacher, I think, I like to think, we did a little bit of good, but we kind of watched this revolving door of volunteers Mm. go through in real time and I think that was a big part of what kind of changed our mindset both of us on this to see it really happen and like that one or two weeks at a time we got new people and they got oriented and came in and thought they were going to change how the school or the hospital worked and then they'd leave and then a new crop would come in and do it and these poor like local nurses and teachers who are just like there through all of it we got a sense of what it was like to be them and be like oh okay well it's Monday we got a new yeah. crop of volunteers here to tell us what to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and like, particularly him teaching at a school, volunteers love to come with like a suitcase full of toys or um, stickers or balloons. And like, it just ends up being play day and nobody goes to mm-hmm. class or learns anything. And then they leave and all the crap that they bought is just all the trash is all over the school. And there was no class. So, not super great. Yeah. But they go home feeling like, oh, I made these children's day, and, like, I gave them an experience they would never have had, because they've never, I don't know, played without sure. <laughs> white volunteers, you know? So, yeah. I like that, or that um, depiction of the revolving door. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's a testament to... Like you said, you were there for six months, so you, you got a snippet of what it's like to be a local, and that's your life, mm-hmm. where every couple of weeks you have a new wave of volunteers come in, and man, that's like, that's really taxing. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about it is really exhausting. Being Like, if, yeah. I was, if I was, if I was working somewhere, and every couple of weeks there was a new set of volunteers, and depending on my role, if my role was to train them on, like, mm-hmm. how to be how to act like a local and, you know, go through, like, orientation. Yeah. So it's, yeah. like, every couple of weeks I have to do that. Yeah. And then you also have to, like, manage these people because they have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then answer all their questions. And it's, like, the same thing over and over again. And it's, like, wow, imagine how much of that time and energy can benefit, like, the actual work that they can do and, like, actually apply yeah. their really good skill sets for their own community. If we yeah. just let them have the space and money and resources to do that instead of... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I know the organization I work with in Haiti, Midwives for Haiti, I recently heard um, that they're like limiting their volunteer program even more. I think they're only taking like one or two volunteers at a time, whereas they used to like take a big group, like for that exact reason. And I know some volunteers were like annoyed because now you can't go and bring your friends or whatever. You can't go as, you know, as easily as you could before. But I'm like... If this is what the local nurses and midwives said that they wanted, that there were too many volunteers and it was getting in the way, then great. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. If there's, I've often, I've often been in volunteer situations where there's way less work to be done than there are like volunteers to do it. And we're all just like sitting around <laughs> looking for something to do. Like that sucks for everybody involved, you know? And if you're sad about the fact that you can't go on anymore, then maybe you should just go on a That's... trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, sure. I feel like if they don't need as many, that's 
kind of the point. Right? Totally. Is that what we're trying to get yeah, to is that like, they don't, yes. like, to make it so they're sustainable on their, like, they are functioning. Yeah. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Our goal is to put ourselves out of work, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people feel like they are, I just, I, it's, no one likes to hear this, but people feel like they are owed these experiences. People feel like that I should be so able to awful. pay money and hang out in a hospital and take pictures of Tanzanian women giving birth and put it on the internet. Like, that's, I should be able to do that. And you're like, no, you are not, you are not owed that. <laughs> no. That's another person. Like, that's yeah. a human, that's a, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, yeah. So, Emily, for you, what do you do when you see that? Because I know it's, like, all over social media and even within your own network of people. I'm sure it comes up all the time. And mm-hmm. I feel like, for me, I I have, like, this internal dialogue. I'm, I'm like, should I engage them? Because then I also am like, I'm not yeah. really close with them and I don't really know them. But then I know what they're doing is problematic. So then yeah. I have, like, this internal fight where I'm like, should I engage with him? Should I not? Um, and I don't know. Do you – how do you choose whether to engage or not? <laughs> yeah, it's hard for sure um, because it's a constant struggle for me because I'm kind of an introvert. And I, like – if I think people who work with me would be like, this, this isn't true. But I, I'm kind of an introvert and I, like, want everyone to like me. So I, like, don't want to piss people off and have and be known as like the girl who's always got a problem with everything everyone's <laughs> saying you know yeah. but I also really care and I will lay awake at night and be like oh, that nurse was talking about going snuggling babies in Kenya and like didn't say anything <laughs> uh, you know and it will like really bother me so <laughs> so no if I I feel like if I know someone even if it's an acquaintance at work or like if it's someone I have time to like sit down and have a conversation with. Um, and people ask me this stuff a lot because they know I do this work. Um, there's a lot of doors opened to have a conversation. Yeah, I have it for sure. Like I go yeah. for it. I don't go after I have, but I don't anymore. I don't go after like strangers on the internet because it's just like, that, that's I have to prioritize my mental, <laughs> my mental health <laughs> has to like, yeah. you know, like I've had, I've had, who knows if the person is still following on me on Instagram, but I, I had uh, someone that I was friends with on Instagram that was starting up their own volunteer organization. And they were like, Oh wait, yeah, I'm traveling all over the world and I'm finding all the organizations that want volunteers and then I'll hook you up with them. And it'll be, you know, my volunteer company. Like we need, <laughs> like we need more volunteer companies. Right. Um, but I didn't like, I didn't say anything to them, but then they kind of messaged me when I started posting this stuff about orphanage tourism and they were like, Oh, not my orphanage. And I was like, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, your orphanage, yeah, yeah. And then they just, like, disengaged with me, which is which is fine, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to get into arguments with, like, strangers on the internet about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big believer that person-to-person, one-on-one conversations, like, change the world. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you have the ability, someone's really listening to you and knows you and wants to hear your opinion, like, go for it. Take that opportunity nicely, but yeah. mm-hmm. take it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. Otherwise, you lay awake at night kicking yourself, or I do. <laughs> yeah, I often I'm just like, should I engage in this? Should I not? And it's hard because it's um, like you said, you don't want to come off as like you're a terrible person. Like, can't believe you're doing yeah. this. That's not the yeah. message you want to send because that that will just shut people down. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just gosh, it's a hard 
hard thing than that. It, it, I always try to come at, at it with something positive. Like, oh, that's so cool that you want to help. Like, this would be a way to do that better. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. um, I don't want, I don't ever want to just shut down people who want to do good. Like, that's so great that you, yeah. that you want to help. But like, this would be a better way to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So if you had advice, just like you had like 30 seconds to yeah. come in and people who maybe want to do nursing and do global health work and they're really young and hopeful for the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what's, yeah. What's like your quick few seconds piece of advice that you would want to tell them? Uh, I think really examining why you want to do this work and what you want to get out of it. What are your motivations is the starting point for all of this. Um, mm-hmm. It'll help you decide, you know, what organization you want to work with and what kind of work you want to do. And like, is is going into global health because you want to save the world or whatever? Like, is that really going to happen? Is that realistic? Um, is the program that you're going towards really going to make that happen? Um, yeah, just I think really examining your motivations for all of this and if they're realistic is an important, like, stepping like, first step. And then once you really know, then going after the education and the skills that you really need to have that. If you really want to work, if you really want to work with Doctors Without Borders or work in global health, like, long-term and, and, and be really effective, like, get the right experience, get the right education, learn the language you need to learn to work where you mm-hmm. want to work, um, have the skills so you're not making a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to add that we haven't touched on or that you want people to know? I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. I mean, except that, you know, I would say nobody's perfect. That's what I would say. I think we've done a lot of like, don't do this, don't do that. Like, don't, don't ruin the world. You know, um, like we're all, we're all learning. I've done some really messed up stuff. The key is to just be aware and like do it better next time. Every mission I go on, I'm like, oh, that was bad. I can do this better next time. Every, every single one. So just like having that openness to learning and being better is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No one's. No one's. You know. Everyone's gonna make a mistake. That's okay. You can keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really excellent point because yeah. I mean, there's the nature of global health work is that there's always gonna be some kind of impact that comes up that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And that's something that you probably did that down the line that maybe it's an immediate thing or maybe years from now where you're not even there anymore, but something you did impacted them ne- negatively. And yeah. Yeah. I think what really makes a good global health worker, whether that's in medicine or public health or whatever, education, it's realizing, yeah, like you are probably going to mess up. The important thing is that you take responsibility for it and that you then change your behavior so that you try not to do that again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So well Mm -hmm. said. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else, Dana? (laughs) I just, I think the point on learning the language of where you'd like to be is important. Because oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of people just walk in everywhere being like, I know English. Like, <laughs> Why don't you all speak English? Everyone's supposed to speak English, right? But no. <laughs> like, That's one of my red flags. Yeah. When I'm like, I wrote a post about like what to ask any organization before you go. And I'm like, ask them if there are translators, because if they're expecting you to treat patients without a translator like that's gonna go badly <laughs> like yeah. a lot of that happens a lot they just like toss you in and they're like, you'll figure it out right like, yeah. no and no, even no. with translators like that's that's hard too like you don't exactly yeah. know yeah. if what you're yeah. communicating and the translator is being oh for sure oh, yeah. oh for sure for sure i know yeah. you sell this long explanation and the translator says three words and you're like 
oh no, that didn't. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the language uh, is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. there's a lot of work to do. I know, it's just yeah. issue upon issue. I know the whole thing is one big mess, but like. The conversation, starting the conversation is the important part. Yeah. Like getting, mm-hmm. we're working on it. Yep. Yeah. And it's super exciting to see people like getting into global health and getting into medicine and nursing now that are like aware of these issues and super excited mm-hmm. to like grapple with them. So I think hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, these conversations weren't happening as much to the scale that it was, you know, like 10 years ago, I don't think. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The conversation that I was having 10 years ago when I was <laughs> learning to be a nurse was like, I was trying to convince everyone to go on a medical mission. Like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> like now I'm like, oh, no, that wasn't probably the best way. It's okay to go about it. You should go. <laughs> Just go, go. It'll be so, you'll, you'll learn so much. And <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool to kind yeah. of get a recap of your growth and your personal experiences. Because I, I definitely, I mean, I'm not a nurse. I've done no nurse-related work, but it's really cool to see your experience and um, hear about all the kind of ins and outs of what it's like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk again in, well, before before this, but also again in 10 years and see if I have a completely <laughs> different perspective how this has all changed. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more um, trips planned in the future? I have a couple of things that um, I'm just looking into. I'd really like to go back to, to Haiti with Midwife for Haiti. Um, and I've just a couple of different organizations that I know of that are like training local, um, nurses or like being clinical preceptors for local nursing students. And I'm like super into that. There's a organization called Pronto and it stands for something. I don't know what it is, but they do, um, trainings for, um, local nurses and docs to, um, respond to, um, obstetric emergencies, which is like, that's, that's what I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And they train local um, teams to run um, drills, which isn't like at least places where I've been in developing countries. There's a lot of like sitting in a chair and rote memorization as training, whereas they go into the hospitals and train them to run like actual drills, like Mm -hmm. bring um, saline bags filled with fake blood and like simulate uh, 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 postpartum hemorrhage or like things like that. So they train them to do those so they can like train the rest of their hospital. So that's pretty cool. And that's one of those like, rare instances where a short-term mission is kind of useful like you go in for a week and like do the train the trainer thing and then you're like peace you can do this with all your people so enjoy bye you know Mm -hmm. so i would love to get on with them yeah yeah that sounds really cool yeah i hope you can do that so moral of the story is sustainability 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 yes 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 what is your impact long term yeah yeah yep Okay. Just before we end, can you just give like a quick recap of what Two Dusty Travelers, what kind of resources you have on there if people want yeah. to check yeah. out? Yeah, for sure. So we blog about ethical travel. Definitely there's a section all about um, volunteering abroad. Um, and I've read some stuff about medical missions and how to pick an organization and what you should ask yourself before you go, because that's step one, really. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have a whole other stuff um, section of the website just about like ethical travel in general. Um, and we're fly a little less, so our footprint is less, so we're doing some mm-hmm. yeah. more road trips lately. That's our well, big summer road trip coming up. So all ethical, sustainable, responsible travel stuff. Okay. 
And happy awesome. to like reach out to us. Like I know some of this stuff is hard to navigate because I've been there when you're like <laughs> Google medical mission and there's like 8,000 organizations mm-hmm. and you're like, oh no, like which one? Um, so yeah, I'm happy to like help people out, and, you know, throw a second set of eyes on an organization that they've been like thinking about, but like, you know, this is okay. And yeah, happy to help. So reach out, no, no judgment. <laughs> We're all learning. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's fun to talk to you guys, see your faces. (laughs) And that's the episode. Thank you so much, Emily, for talking with us. As a reminder, you can reach her on Instagram at 2DustyTravelers. And resources for this episode will be on our website. As a reminder, if you have any questions, you can always reach us at globalcaveat at gmail.com or on Instagram at globalcaveat. And thank you to all of our listeners and supporters for helping this podcast run. And a special thanks to Cordell Glass for producing our music. Thanks for listening.